I'm Robbie Burns. I'm Craig McClellan. And this is Semester 2 of the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. How you doing, Craig? I'm good, Robbie. Uh, it's been a fun morning here at the McClellan House. Um, you know, this may be old news by the time that this episode actually comes out, but I thought it'd be fun to record me telling you. Um, we haven't really discussed, I've talked about it on Twitter and things, but my wife is pregnant with our, our third child, and we found out this morning we're having a boy. Whoa. Yeah. So it's it's been a pretty fun morning getting to see the baby again, and it not look like a shrimp. It actually looked like a somewhat of a human. And uh, and it's it's a boy. So two girls and a boy should be uh, it's going to be all sorts of fun around this house for a while. Wow. Wild. Yeah. Maybe I need to get a sound effect generator and like just have kazoos and confetti sounds happen at the moment that you say that on the show. Well, you know, what's funny. I uh, I use my in-ear monitors when I'm recording the show. And uh, while I was waiting to start the call, I got some text messages from friends that said congratulations. And, you know, on iOS, if you get a message that says congratulations, it automatically does the confetti. And hearing that come through my in-ear monitors really loud with that sound effect was very overwhelming. Oh, man, I didn't spell congratulations right. I tried to send you that exact text in the moment you were saying it, and autocorrect spelled it congratulations. Congratulations. Mm. Well, Craig, congratulations on your new boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. What are we talking about today? So we have a listener-requested topic, and we are going to be talking about parent communication. So um, how do we as teachers use our technology to be more efficient with getting information out to, to the parents of our students? I'm really excited about this one because this is an area where I feel like I'm, I'm really flexing my power user muscles. Uh, I just got a lot of tools and services and utilities and workflows that I do to overcome some of the challenges of this topic. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's get into it. I'm ready for, to hear your, uh, your power user muscles. Yeah, so you were talking about your morning a second ago. You know, it's funny. Um, my morning actually has been spent with a lot of parent communication. Uh, I've had to write some tough emails this morning and I've spent quite a bit of time. I, I did some private lesson teaching, but then the rest of my morning and early afternoon has just been, uh, you could say, dealing with the fallout of second quarter grades coming out last week and um, and a couple of other tough emails that I had to write to some parents of uh, the some members of our local elementary school honor band, some some students that, you know, just dealing with the kinds of things where it's like, I'm, you know, we're cracking down on our policy for certain things and making tough decisions about how to move forward and, you know, those kinds of things. So I've been doing quite a bit of that. So this topic is fresh on my mind. And in the outline here, we've got just a, a bunch of different tools and workflows that we've been tracking, I guess, over the past week or so since we started this outline, uh, I wanted to start with the first thing on my outline, and it sort of ties in 
to the why of this episode. And the very first thing I'm going to talk about is Canvas and also Synergy, which are two services that are mandated by my school district. Um, Synergy is a student, I'm not sure if this is the right technical term for it, but it's like a student management system. It's what tracks all of our students, their grades, their class schedules, their parent contact information, which school they came from, you know, IEPs and all that stuff. So this is the system that all of the that information is managed in. Uh, but then we have a system called Canvas, which is a learning management system. Um, you know, it's it's uh, very very in line with what a lot of other student, I'm sorry, learning management systems are looking like these days in terms of having features for creating assignments, creating rubrics to grade students on very easily, managing your class personnel, your units, your files, the documents that are relevant to instruction, and sort of like rounding up all of this stuff in a place where you can create an interactive learning environment for students. Um, these two tools, as will not, this will not be a shock to our listeners. These two tools are incredibly frustrating and limited to use, as is most school mandated technology. Yeah, I'll just chime in and say uh, we use for our student management, um, we use Infinite Campus, which drives me crazy at all times. And then we do have a learning management system called Schoology, but as a third grade teacher and we're not one-to-one, we're not like, I've, I don't think I've ever logged into Schoology. I'm not, I maybe once. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is nothing that is like big education is probably going to be ideal here. Yeah. And that's, that's the frustration is that these tools are often the ones that, you know, we as power users have the least control over. And I mean, isn't that at the end of the day, what this show is all about? Like, you know, being more like, if you want to be more efficient, have more control over the way you use your computer, you really are not going to get that control with something like Canvas or Synergy or Schoology or Google Classroom, something where that company is determining the entire user experience of their software. So this is a really frustrating area. And one of the main frustrations with Canvas and Synergy is how they're supposed to serve as communication tools with students and parents, but they're insanely limited and frustrating. Um, For example, Canvas is probably the easiest tool we have to communicate with parents, but not all the parents are registered. Um, Some of the parents have different last names as their students, so it's really difficult to find those connections. Then we have Synergy, which for us is like you can search students, but then you can see their parents' contact information. But like the phone numbers of the parents are on a different page than where their emails are. And you can't bookmark Synergy because if you do and then you click on your bookmark, it'll like open you to this weird error message page. So you have to manually click the link from our school district's main page every single time you want to get to it. Like it's just actually enraging. And so I've created a lot of systems in place to help me cope. Um, Some of these systems, uh, the first one I'll mention is an app called Drafts, which we have given a lot of attention on the show. It even has its own episode in the first semester. 
And I use drafts. I also sometimes will use text editing apps like Ulysses or Byword or just anything that allows me to work in plain text with a file that's living on my device. And I've used these apps as like email draft dumping grounds where I will write messages that are longer form in this app first before sending it out to parents on Canvas. The reason is because I have a lot more control over the keyboard shortcuts that I use, but most importantly, Canvas will frequently shut down my window or my tab in the middle of typing a message and it's actually, I'm gonna sound really angry in this segment of this episode <laughs> because it's just so, so frustrating that it does this. So I have learned now anything, I, if I start typing and it's more than three sentences, I immediately go to drafts or some sort of text editor and start writing from there first. So that's one workaround. You're gonna talk, I'm sure, more about drafts in a bit. Um, the other thing that I do is I've moved a lot of the information that most teachers will communicate on our learning management system to our website. Now my music program has a lot of things that we need to have control over that we just simply can't do with a tool like a learning management system. For example, um, we might wanna share files with our students. If we wanna do that in our learning management system, you actually have to, in Canvas, upload a file over and over again separately to every respective class that you want to share that file with. Ugh. Yeah. So we're like, forget that. We're going to make a website where we can just direct parents to it. Parts of the page with sensitive information are password protected. And we're able to have a place where we can control what information looks like, unify it, wrap it up in a nice neat bow and then send parents to those particular spots of our website that they need to go. And just to give you a quick heads up of like, what are some of the things that we put on the website? We have our whole handbook on the website. A handbook is sort of like a, here's what band is and here's what the expectations are, the materials you need. Uh, we have information about every single one of our ensembles. What is band? What is choir? What is orchestra? What is jazz? Uh, we've got, a Google form where parents can sign up that they agree with our handbook signature. We've got password protected resource files for practicing along with. We've got a Google calendar with all of our concert dates and sectional pullout stuff in it. Like, I mean, we've just got all like links to other websites, tons of things that we can communicate to parents and package in a much more efficient way to understand Whereas with Canvas, I mean, Canvas and most learning management systems are completely decentralized. Like, it's just a dumping ground of files, pages, units, lessons, assignments, and you sort of just, like, string it all up together in duct tape, if that makes sense. Yeah, all this sounds amazing. I feel like I need to get a um, third grade website together for my school or something um, to put our weekly homework and newsletter and things like that up there. That would seems like that would be a good good thing to have. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing. So it, it allows us to take what, I mean, most learning management systems sort of start with this premise of, okay, you have a page and you can link it to different areas and, you know, you can share information with the community, but it's just, again, not that easy to use. So for us, uh, we use Squarespace for ours. It's the same thing that I use for my personal website. I know, Craig, you used to use it for the class nerd and you know, it's it's a great service, easy to use, easy to upload information to. 
we dig it. Now, uh, for the you know sending messages to the parent and student community part of the equation, there are some other apps that I feel like just people will like reach out to us if we don't mention them. Uh, and those would be the Remind app and the Band app. And by band, I mean like band, B-A-N-D with a capital B. And these are two examples of apps where you can, again, it's sort of like you can create a communication system that's separate from the one. Actually, some school districts have official support for the Remind app. Um, like you can opt into it as a parent or a, stu- a parent or a student at the beginning of the year, and it's actually like built in, associated with your class, officially. But what most teachers in my district do is they just use it. And Remind app is it's great. It's an app that's you kind of like create a class, and then you invite all of your parents and students to register with their cell phone number, and then you can send out quick messages to them. And they can also communicate with you in a little chat-like interface that can also interface with their cell phone number. So they don't even really need to have Remind installed. They can just link it to their cell phone number. You can send out messages through Remind, and then it'll just ping all their cell phones through SMS. I've used this in the past, and for reasons I'll get into later, um, for an app that we are using um, I had to stop, but interestingly, my church is actually using Remind to send out information to members. Um, hey, you know, don't forget that we're having this churchwide lunch on Sunday. Don't forget to register. Service is canceled due to snow, and they've set it up like our church is a class, and people can just uh, register for that class in Remind and get text messages. So um, it's definitely a really handy service. Yeah, I've used it with extracurricular groups like our jazz band, our percussion ensemble, just to, you know, like if we're going to a statewide event where parents are all driving their kids separately, I want to have a centralized way to just send them quick messages from my cell phone without dealing with Canvas, especially because Canvas has no sense of like creating a template for parent communication unless you manually create your own class and then invite everyone. It's just way easier to do and way less uh, cumbersome with Remind, I suppose. And uh, the Band app, I, I don't know it that well, other than that it does have similar features to Remind. Some people like it because it's this all-in-one productivity suite where you can also do calendar events, uh, manage contacts. And uh, I, I honestly can't comment much more on it, but I have a, a good friend who's using it to manage his high school band program, and he has reported very positive things. All right, well... Um... You know, Robbie mentioned using drafts um, to start writing in. Um, I do that a lot. And so I made a sample drafts action that doesn't contain any JavaScript, isn't crazy, um, but it just lets you... So my my school district, we are a Microsoft district. I've said that before. We use OneDrive. And so um, what it allows me to do is... Um, type an email up to a parent, uh, and I can use full markdown, all all of that sort of stuff. It will send that email to the parent, and then it will save the text of the email. It'll prompt me for the name of the child whose parents I'm contacting, and then it will save just as a text file to a specific folder I've got called emails in my OneDrive just to store a record there that I did reach out to that parent on that date. 
Some people like that kind of thing. Some people would rather just have it in their email. It was more a proof of concept to show what all is possible inside of drafts with just a few built-in actions instead of having to go deep into JavaScript. But, you know, I am using it too. It's it's really nice. Um, I did try and start going down the rabbit hole of also how complex you can get with drafts actions. And it started... It got so complex that even I was getting lost in the JavaScript, and I was like, you know what? This probably isn't worth it, so I kind of gave up on that one. But this simple one, I'm including a link to uh, download it into drafts in the show notes so you can you can see that and try it out. You are a wealth of drafts, actions, and information. I am always impressed. <laughs> I'm I'm trying. Yeah, and for those who are wondering, like, what is the entire premise of Craig's drafts lifestyle, uh, our episode on it will link in the show notes, and it, it gives a really good overview of what drafts is and does. So you mentioned that drafts is, like, your automation tool. I don't know if I have a singular automation tool, um, but you did. You know, a few episodes ago, we talked about to automate or not to automate and like what are the automation tools that are just a you know where is the point of diminishing return where you can have too many automation tools or you can have tools that are too advanced and too cumbersome to manage in the big picture uh, and you asked me about one called text expander text expander is a very sticky tool for me and what i mean by sticky is like is for me indispensable and no matter how much I'm using automation everywhere else in my life, Text Expander is always there. And Text Expander is there because it is an amazingly flexible utility that allows you to create little short snippets of text that expand into larger bodies of text. For example, you might, instead of uh, typing, I'm on my way, you might type OMW for on my way, and that would expand into a bigger bit of text. Now, obvious use cases for this that are recommended when you install Text Expander, uh, things like, you know, if you repeatedly type your email address, your phone number, your address, or like a signature to an email, you can automate the expansion of all of those things with just a couple of keystrokes. So for, for example, if I type P phone, kind of like a stutter, uh, it expands my mobile cell phone number. Uh, if I type in W email, my work email signature expands. I you know, add that to the bottom of messages that I type. Um, there's a handful of ones that are quite obvious, but then there are some others that are not quite so obvious, and I'm going to talk a little bit about those. But I think it's first worth mentioning that since Text Expander hasn't received a lot of attention on our show, um, Text Expander is an app that you can install on a Mac, on Windows, uh, and as a keyboard on iOS. And Text Expander uh, runs a little bit differently on a Windows or a Mac device. It's sort of like running persistently in the background. So anything you type in any application will function, whereas on iOS, you have to use this little keyboard to make it work, but it's not a really great keyboard or experience. But actually, a lot of third-party productivity apps like Drafts have Text Expander support built into the application. So Drafts is able to talk to Text Expander, learn what my snippets are, and then without Text Expander running in the background, it's able to automate 
these little snippets happening. So uh, this is a really cool tool. You can actually, if you're running iOS and a Mac, you actually can create some basic snippets that can even sync between your iOS and your Mac devices. Um, but Text Expander gets a little bit more powerful than the basic, you know, phone number expansion and email expansion. You can actually do things like have dynamic data. Like I can type in D date and it'll expand the current date. T time will expand the current time. And then I can even have large bodies of text expand where I can control some of the data that's inside. And, and I like to use this to make templates for a whole lot of things. Like for example, emails I frequently type to parents. So here's some examples. Uh, I very frequently have students missing their sectionals. And a sectional is like a pullout class where they miss math like once a quarter to come and do a clarinet class. And if a student misses that, it's, it's a little bit hard to document, but it is a mandatory and graded part of their experience in my class. So I like the parents to know. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of fiddling around in a web browser to find a way to reach a parent. So what I have done is, well, we'll get to how I reach the parents in a second, but what I've done is I've at least automated the part that writes that email. So uh, I'm in an email or a Canvas message and I type, uh, I think missed sectional with no space between the words is my shortcut. And then a little box, dialog box comes up that says enter student name. And then I enter the student's name and then it goes bloop. It has kind of like a, a really fun bubbly sound it makes. And, uh, and then it expands this whole email. Dear parents of John, uh, John missed his sectional today. The sectional is a mandatory and graded part of the band experience, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's one example. Uh, I do these for missed assignments. Uh, if a private, if the parents of a private student miss a payment, I have messages for that. I have messages that go out anytime I send an instrument home with a student, like loan agreements. It's a really, really useful thing. Now, I don't do entire emails. I also have like little component parts of what are frequently typed emails. For example, uh, a lot of my parents will ask who are good private teachers for the different instruments. So I might get a parent who says, well, Susan plays the horn. Who are good horn teachers? And I frequently type the same three or four people's names, their phone numbers, and their email addresses all the time. So I've created little snippets. If I type in horn lessons without any space between the words, it'll just expand automatically like the three or four horn teachers in the area that I recommend and all their contact information. I do this for t titles of materials and books, things that are very frequently asked about in email. So a parent might say, what's the name of the book I need for my child? They play the flute and I just type in, um, you know, uh, the couple, like I abbreviate the name of the book. So it might be like intermediate flute studies, would be like I, F, S, and then it'll just bloop, expand the name of the book. I do instruments. I don't type instruments anymore. I just type like XCL is clarinet, XFL is flute, BD is bass drum, SD is snare drum, just things that commonly I type. And now I save keystrokes. Um, I think those are like the basic uses that I find myself most frequently using. Do you use a text expander and drafts for anything like this? I don't. And I'm, I've tried to come up with use cases. I used to use it more until I went iOS only. 
and it's hard to remember. Many apps have text expander integration, but many don't. And so it was hard to remember, okay, which ones can I use this in and what can I not? Whereas on a Mac, it's just set up to always work no matter where you are. I wondered if maybe since drafts is such a, I mean, we, you said it earlier, indispensable tool. Since, since you yeah. do, yeah, yeah, that was why I asked. Like, it seems like a, almost like a, use drafts on your iPad, almost like some people use the terminal. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I do wonder if there are ways that I could I could do it. I need to think about that. So if not using text expander and drafts for any templating purposes, are you doing any kinds of templating? Yeah. Um you know, I uh my third grade team, we split up jobs amongst the team. You know, one person gathers the reading homework for the week. Some people do the math. We've got people doing morning work. Um, My job is the newsletter that goes out to parents every week. And uh, apparently last year before I joined the team, they were sending out like a super blank Word document. It had all the information, but it was literally just like words on a blank page. And I was like, I can make this look better and have be more information dense and things like that. So I uh, I took one of um, the newsletter templates from Pages and just kind of tweaked it. I think it's one of the school newsletter ones. It has like pencils on it and stuff, and um, made it into something that we can use every week and just input what standards we're covering in different subjects, um, upcoming test dates. Um, and any other general announcements that we've got. And so um, one of the ELA and social studies teachers will every week email me anything I need to put in there from them. I put in what we're doing in math and science as a grade level um, and double check any upcoming announcements or events with the school, add that in, and then I'm done. Um, a, A quick little fun trick that I'm using though. Uh, a- Apple mail is my, is still my email app of choice. And sometimes if I'm copying and pasting from Apple mail, it will be rich text and include font information from Apple mail instead of the default font from pages. And that was getting annoying. And I could use a shortcut or something to, to fix that. But, um, there's this cool little utility called title case on iOS and um, you can um, send text to title case. You can, um, it can work inside the, with the clipboard and then it can convert to all sorts of things. So you can tell it to convert to title case, like the, like the name of the app says. So, you know, words like of will not be capitalized, but other more important words will be. There's, all caps, so you could turn it to where it make it look like you're shouting, all lowercase, just capitalize every word, things like that. Um, there's all there's crazy stuff like URL encoding, um, something about SpongeBob where different letters are capitalized and others are not. But anyway, all this to say, I will take the text that my teammate sends me, copy it to the clipboard call um, the lady in my iPad and say hey to her and say convert to plain text and it will convert what's in the uh, in the clipboard 
to plain text because I I think I just have it set to convert to regular sentence case, but it strips out all the font and other information. And then I just paste it into pages as plain text and uh, it follows fonts and all that fun stuff that I have already set in my template. Uh, I am totally downloading this right now. This is awesome. It's, it's such a great little utility. I, I use it all the time. Um, I was studying for something the other day and making some flashcards. And sometimes when I would um, copy and paste a section from the article I was reading into a flashcard, I wanted to make the uh, flashcard have a title case. And I would just copy it real fast, tell Siri to convert to title case. Boom, it was done. And I'd paste it into the flashcard. It was – it's – such like a niche little thing, but it saves me so much time. Let me ask you this real quick, Greg. Is the app called Title Case or Text Case? Ah, thank you. It is Text Case. Just wanted to clarify that for those listening. But yeah, we'll link that in the uh, show notes. And if you want to get some of these features, but on the Mac end of things, there is a great app called PopClip. And PopClip allows you to highlight text and then have one of those little black bars appear over the text, kind of like what shows up on iOS if you hold your finger on a word. That little black bar, like cut, copy, and paste, all shows up there. Well, PopClip allows you to have that appear on the Mac, which if you're a point-and-click kind of person, allows you to do some of that stuff really conveniently with the mouse. But you can also install plugins into PopClip, which allow you to do a lot of these actions like raise the first letter, you know, capitalize the first letter of every word or make everything uppercase or lowercase or bold everything. But it can also do, like people have created wacky plugins for PopClip, like send the highlighted text to OmniFocus or to Evernote or run this Apple script on the text that's currently highlighted. It's like bizarre and cool how much can go into it. All right, well, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is email. And, you know, it's interesting. I should have probably talked about this before Text Expander since most of my text expansion happens in email. And, of course, because email is the obvious communication tool out there. And we also, I'm just going to, before you say anything else, point to, was it our very first episode of the Class Nerd podcast about email? Episode one is the one (laughs) (laughs) awesome well you can definitely go check out more detail about what robbie's going to be talking about here so email it is a place we talk to parents but also we talk to them through our lms or do we not i mean like it's one of these things where there's so many different ways to talk to parents if you're using an sms an lms and email it's overwhelming but the bottom line is this the web tools are usually the most fiddly to get around and email is always easier the primary problem with email is that it has no contact information unless you've had a previous correspondence with a parent so there are a couple ways around this that i figured out Uh, rather than going to the web and going to the exact right part of the class and finding the list of people enrolled in the class and searching the name. Instead, what I've done is I've just simply added all the parents of all of the music kids in our entire program into a contact group 
in the Mac and iOS contacts application. And there's an easy way to get this. I did not type this in manually. On my website, which we were talking about earlier, how our music team has a handbook that parents go through, and it's just a bunch of different sections of our website, like six or seven different pages that they read. And in the end is a Google form. Now, the Google form allows parents to give us a lot of information about their child, and this allows us to create a spreadsheet because, of course, Google Forms can automatically populate a Google Sheet with all of the field results of all the different forms that are filled out. So if you ask, like, what is your name? What is your parent's name? What is your instrument? What high school are you going to? Uh, what is your preferred email contact? What is your preferred preferred phone contact? Do you have a nickname? If you can get a spreadsheet where parents are doing the work filling this out, then with that Google Sheet, you can do a whole lot of things. You can export it to a CSV and work with it in Numbers or in FileMaker. Or you can, and I only just recently learned this, you can take a spreadsheet like in the, only in the form of a CSV file, and you can actually import it into the Contacts app on the Mac. Did you know this? No. You can't even do that in Busy Contacts, which is a like it's like a power user contacts app made by the people who make the BusyCal app. And I thought when I was trying to solve this problem the other day, I was like, surely BusyCal, I'm sorry, Busy Contacts is the one that can do this. It cannot, but Apple's very own contacts app will import from CSV. But only on the Mac. Only on the Mac. Of course, now they sync to iOS, so now I can interact with it the same way. But what I get now is I get all of the parents from our entire program into my contacts. And now while all of them are still highlighted blue from the import, I create a contact card group that is all of them so I can easily delete it all later or send out a message to everyone through email by simply typing in, you know, the name of our, our music program, whatever I named the contact group. But what's cool about this also is now if I'm typing an email, I can just start typing the name of the kid because the kid's name is associated with the contact. And now it'll like start to give me options for their parents to communicate with. So it almost makes email like just, you know, I mean, email is command tab or a swipe gesture on an iPad away. Then you start a new message, type in the kid's name. It's just insanely easy compared to the alternative. Oh, it's being able to do things like that are one main reason why I miss the Mac. One more real quick thing. This is just a subtle detail. I import this contact list. I I don't want it to be a part of my personal iCloud contact list. So what our team has is a Google account for the music department. And we do a lot of stuff with this that's googly and interesting. But um, because a contacts application is just like an email client in that you can be logged into multiple different accounts at the same time, I'm logged into our school's Gmail account, and that is the account that gets all the contacts. Interesting. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, Speaking of contact groups... So there used to be this amazing app on iOS. It was actually by Greg Pierce, who's the developer of Drafts, and it was called Interact. 
and it was a contacts manager and you could create groups, which sadly, even in iOS 12, you cannot create groups of contacts in on iOS in the native contacts app. You had to have a third party app to do it. Um, and it had this great little tool called the scratch pad that could use all sorts of computer trickery and figure out when you put in a bunch of contact information, names, uh, email addresses, phone numbers, it could figure out, all right, well, this is the first name. This is the last name. This is the phone number. And this is the email address. And just really quickly make a contact for you and parse it all out. Um, it was incredible. Um, Greg stopped developing it probably a little over a year ago, if not more. And it worked for a little while and, it, it, I opened it up the other day just to see, and it's just a hot mess. Like nothing works anymore. Whatever happened in iOS 12 with contacts broke it pretty much completely. So in my morning of this, I was like, well, how can I create contact groups on iOS without the app that I love? And I looked at some other apps and I was like, well, let's try some nerdy automation and see what can happen. So there's an app called Scriptable that is a JavaScript interpreter, and it can, one of the things it can do, it, it, can, it can do a lot of system functions, send messages, uh, look at your calendars, do all sorts of things, but it can update contacts. And so I wrote a script for Scriptable that if you put a certain phrase into the uh, notes field of a new contact when you create them. I like to just use an emoji. Um, I think that's easier. So as if I'm at the beginning of the school year, creating a new contact group, entering student information in, I would just put, I pick an emoji that I want to be in that group and put it in the notes field of every contact. Then I run the script and it will ask me what, is the emoji that I'm looking for and what's the name of the contact group. And um, if the group already exists, then it's just going to add any that it finds the emoji in to that contact group and then delete the emoji from the notes. Um, so it doesn't just stay there and there's a random emoji. Um, and then if the contact group doesn't exist, it will create that group, then add the contacts to that group and delete the emoji. So, it's, it's a super weird workaround to something that iOS should be able to do. Um, but it was kind of fun to figure out and, and work out how to make this work. So um, I will put a link to GitHub, which is just a place that you can store code. And if you copy and paste this into Scriptable, it should just work straight out of the box for you. So... Um, it's super nerdy and it's definitely a workaround and hopefully Apple will make this completely irrelevant with iOS 13. I genuinely hope so, but I've got it if you need it. Yeah. It's crazy how that's necessary to create something as simple as a contact group on iOS. Um, you know, also absent, I was going to talk about this earlier, but listeners can just listen to that email episode. Number one, um, one of my favorite mail clients on both iOS and the Mac is called Spark. And Spark, in all of its popularity, does not support contact groups. So even if you make one, 
you can't enter them into the to field of an email message. Which I think is why I don't use Spark. Now that I'm I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, that was the deal breaker for me. Yeah. Now, uh, just to kind of piggyback off of this idea of just manipulating contact information easily, uh, I also misinteract. Um, there is a great Mac app that is similar to it called Card Hop. It is made by the makers of Fantastic Al, very, very amazing third-party calendar app. And it is a little thing that lives in your toolbar where you choose a keyboard shortcut and you type that keyboard shortcut to invoke this little widgety looking thing. And then you can just like type in almost like natural language, like type in a phone number and then a name and then an email address and then a paragraph of text and it'll automatically create that contact car it'll like figure out what the name is what the phone number is what the you know email address is and like that the law the paragraph of text is intended to be a note and it'll just make it or it'll figure out if that person's in your contacts it'll just add the rest of the information to their card hmm i saw on twitter the other day that there is a beta for card hop for ios stop and I am, I wasn't really aware of what that was, but I am signing up for that beta right now as we speak. And you are sending me the URL so I can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, because the second it came out, I was like, okay, this is obviously going to be on iOS one day. Can it be today now, please? Such an amazing utility. It's just it's just completely, for me, it's indispensable as much as Fantastic Al is. So speaking of contacts, email, and also scripting, uh, there is one way that I script email. And as with other instances of this tool discussed on this show, I am not prepared to explain FileMaker in really great detail because it is a monstrous app to understand. But if you reference our episode from last semester where I explained a little bit what my FileMaker system is, um, you will understand that the gist, I'll, I'll share the gist of it here. FileMaker is a tool that I'm using to track student assessment data and then communicate their progress to them. Well, one of the things that you can do with FileMaker is you can write these little scripts that will automatically send off email emails to parents or students, basically anyone who's in the system. And I have, in the same way that I got uh, all of my contacts from that Google handbook that I was talking about earlier, well, I've also imported that same list of banned students into FileMaker. So I have all their email addresses and parent contact in the system and can really easily, with a button, when I enter a performance record, I can click a button that will immediately email that student's progress to the parent and the student. So it's kind of like a little roundup. It says like your student performed these five songs for me this week. They achieved this many points on each of these songs. They need this many points to get an A for the semester. Uh, Here's a link to practice resources to help you improve in all of these areas. It's again, super nerdy and great. Um, I have nothing to add because I am, well, let me, let me say that again. 
once again, uh, super nerdy and great. I think uh, your use of FileMaker is uh, everything we look for uh, in an episode of the Class Nerd Podcast. Yeah, when you end on Scriptable and FileMaker, I don't even know how how does Scriptable and even Interact, how do they even access a feature that iOS provides no, like there have to be APIs for it, even if it's not exposed to the user. Yeah, it's, yeah, there, but there are, it's just crazy that Apple's not allowing their native app to access those APIs. Weird. Well, as you were saying in an episode where we talk about scriptable and FileMaker, uh, I leave feeling satisfied that it was a, an effective episode of The Class Nerd. You know, we, we did talk about some things that we have mentioned before or are just basic parts of parent communication like email, but I, I hope that we brought some fresh and new ideas to you um, on a topic that I feel like is one of the most important things we do as teachers. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. And hey, I learned some things today. Hey, me too. All right. Hey, everyone. Until next time, stay classy. And stay nerdy. <laughs>